1978, a group of epidemiologists studying the health of British civil servants published a paper in the British Medical Journal that examined, quote, the changing social class distribution of heart disease. They noted that, although, quote, usually considered a disease of affluence, contrary to popular opinion, coronary heart disease is not more common among the more affluent classes. Indeed, their analyses show that, quote, since 1951, the risk of heart disease has increased progressively for men and women in classes four and five, i.e. working class, relative to those in classes one and two, i.e. the upper classes. What might explain these differences? The authors largely rejected socioeconomic deprivation as a cause, noting that in the 1930s, it had been the upper classes that had suffered from heart disease disproportionately. They looked instead at the diet and smoking habits of the lower classes, hoping that these recently identified lifestyle causes of heart disease might explain the discrepancy. Although smoking was indeed more common amongst the working classes, this risk factor could not, quote, completely explain the social class distribution of heart disease. Could it be that class itself, the hierarchies that underpin the society, might at least partly explain, quote, the worsening mortality of the working class. This paper examines the use of class by these epidemiologists in the two longitudinal studies that will become known as the Whitehall studies. It explores the rhetorical uses to which the Whitehall researchers put as they campaign for action in addressing health inequalities. But it also situates this research and advocacy in the context of discussions of class and inequality in end-of-century Britain, as politicians, of all, uh, as politicians of all stripes spoke of, to quote former Prime Minister John Major, and allude to a recent popular history of the 1990s, quote, a classless society. It is a paper of two halves. In the first, I will use Raymond Williams' definition of class, I am a workshop in literary scholars after all, to analyse how the Whitehall researchers conceptualised the differences in health that they observed between their research subjects and in society as a whole. The second half of my paper looks at how this research was taken to, into the public sphere by its director, Michael Marmot, and how these ideas about inequality did or did not chime with other prevailing understandings of class in Britain. In key words, his vocabulary of culture and society, Raymond Williams wrote extensively on class, tracing the brief history of the term and what it meant in the present day by the year of publication, 1973. For Williams, three variable meanings of class were used, quote, in a whole range of contemporary discussion and controversy, usually without clear distinction. Class could mean either a group, i.e. a socioeconomic category, a rank, included, uh, indicating relative social position, or lastly, formation, to describe organisation along social, political, or cultural boundaries. All three of these meanings were mobilised in the epidemiologist's paper on social class and heart disease. The material conditions of the working class group had been considered and then disregarded as a cause of worsening mortality. Their relative position, rank, in the social hierarchy had been used to try and throw light on the etiology of heart disease. And finally, their social and cultural preferences or formation for cigarettes, for certain types of food, had been instrumentalised to explain disparities in health across Britain. The first Whitehall study was conceived of as a cohort study, consciously modelled on the hugely influential study conducted in Framingham, a small town in Massachusetts, America. Indeed, Marmot and Eric Brunner, two key individuals of Whitehall too, 
briefly suggested that it was a, quote, British framing. British in that it was done on the tube. Framingham had established the concept of the risk factor, a term that describes a pattern of behaviour or physical characteristic of a group of individuals that increases the probability of the future occurrence of one or more diseases in that group relative to comparable groups without or with different levels of the behaviour or characteristic. Class and hierarchy were absent from the planning documents for Whitehall 1, uh, but significantly, significantly the 18,403 men recruited uh, came from all ranks of the civil service, from the lowliest messengers to the most elite administrators. For Marmot and Brunner, this was apparently merely a matter of good housekeeping, following the epidemiological conventions of the day. Quote, Social class was not an object of study, but a control variable potential confounder that you got rid of in order to arrive at the correct conclusion about the association between risk factor and disease. Whitehall 1 was therefore firmly in the mould of existing cohort studies and the first few papers published from it throughout the mid-1970s concentrated on diabetes and smoking, with little comment made about any disparities between grades. By the late 1970s, however, something had shifted signaled by the publication of the BMJ paper that I mentioned in my introduction, and followed shortly after by a paper on inequalities specifically within the Whitehall cohort. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> there are several different explanations for this change in direction, which also help to illuminate the Whitehall study's use of class. The first is the arrival of Marmot in 1976, a British epidemiologist who had grown up in Australia and having completed a PhD at Berkeley, returned to his mother country to work on Whitehall. Study directors Donald Reed and Geoffrey Rhodes asked Marmot, given his interest in, quote, social and psychosocial things, from his doctoral research on heart disease and Japanese migrants to the US, to look at, quote, what grade men were in the civil service where they were in the hierarchy. Marmot had been deeply influenced by the work of his PhD supervisor, Len Syme, a medical sociologist who had, quote, had his thinking shaped by the insights of Emil Durkheim, and published on the apparent relationship between social class and a range of otherwise unconnected diseases. In an explication of Williams' definition of class, Syme's work suggests that both the lower, uh, the lower social class's habits or formation and their relative position in society rank might be responsible for this apparent susceptibility to disease. The second explanation is the data itself, which when examined by rank of employment, showed a gradient across a number of different measurements. Quote, Men in the lower employment grades were shorter, heavier for their height, uh, had higher blood pressure, higher plasma glucose, smoked more, and reported less leisure time physical activity than men in the higher grades. Here then, research subjects are viewed as Williams' formation. What identifies these men with a certain class or grade is their physical attributes and their social habits. But most significantly for the white researchers, quote, men in the lowest grade, messengers, had 3.6 times the uh, coronary heart disease mortality of men in the highest employment grade, administrators, a trend that was proportionally observed across all grades. Was it the aspects that made up their formation as a grade or social class, or was it their rank or place in the hierarchy that contributed to this disparity? The results of confounded marmots' expectations and prevailing popular views. It was not those in the most 
uh, high-pressure elite roles that had the worst rates of heart disease, but amongst those in comparatively lowly, unskilled work. So the Whitehall researchers were now starting to view class in their analysis almost entirely in terms of rank or relative position, rather than as one defined by shared cultural habits or in socio-economic terms. A 1981 paper by Rosa Marmot rejected uh, absolute poverty as having anything to do with heart disease. They explained that, uh, quote, experience in third world countries shows that where poverty is prevalent, coronary heart disease is rare. Um, but they also rejected uh, many of the lifestyle risk factors, um, concluding that, quote, a man's employment status was a stronger predictor of his risk of dying from coronary heart disease than any of the more familiar risk factors. This realisation that the white researchers were dealing not with the effects of material deprivation on health, but something else, led Mama and his colleagues to start to investigate what he described as, quote, psychosocial factors in the second white was doing. And the third of the disparities of, um, uh, third of the disparities in deaths from heart disease between grades could be explained by known risk factors such as cholesterol, obesity, smoking, or sedentary lifestyles. But the Whitehall researchers were not alone in thinking about disparities in health outlined in their paper on social class and heart disease. As historian Charles Webster has noted, a British tradition of observing inequalities between social groups goes at least as far back as Edwin Chadwick or Friedrich Engels. Nevertheless, uh, although inequalities in health have represented a continuing and serious social problem, active investigation tends to have been very much a periodic phenomenon stimulated by perceptions of social crisis, for example, in the 1970s. Uh, work by sociologists and health professionals such as Anne Cartwright and Julian Tudor Hart, who uh, died um, a couple weeks ago, actually, um, would probably have been familiar to the Whitehall researchers. In January 1979, the epidemiologist Jerry Morris published an article in The Lancet, arguing that in terms of mortality, quote, the professions do well, unskilled workers and their families particularly badly. In short, quote, social inequalities remained undiminished. This was a curtain raiser for a report on inequalities in health that Morris was writing alongside the former chief medical officer, Douglas Black, professor of sociologist, uh, professor of, said, professor of sociology at University of Essex, Peter <coughs> Townsend, and Cyril Smith, secretary of the Social Science Research Council. The Black Report, as it would become known after its chair, was published in August 1980 by the newly incumbent Conservative government in controversial circumstances. Historians and public health campaigners have viewed this as a pivotal moment in bringing the new concept of health inequalities, i.e. disparities in health outcomes between social classes, ethnicities and genders, to public attention. Indeed, health inequalities research began to boom in the wake of the Black Report. John Fox, a statistician whose work contributed to the Black Report, recalled that Quote, I think there was more research done in the 1980s on health inequalities than at any other time. There was a background for lots of people supporting each other, strong networks building up, which didn't exist before that time. But despite the publicity afforded the Black Report, there is a sense, however, that this cottage industry of health inequalities research existed somewhat apart from the wider societal conversation about class then ongoing. Historian Florence Sutcliffe Braithwaite has recently suggested that, quote, the late 1970s and early 1980s did see something of a spike in cultural interest in class. Citing, citing uh, Julie Cooper's class, A View from Middle England, amongst other examples. 
By the mid-1990s, however, historian Patrick Joyce was writing that, quote, class is seen by some to be unequal to the task of explaining our present reality. Such dis dis dissatisfaction was palpable across the political, uh, across the British political spectrum as John Major's tenure gave way to a new Labour regime that was famously, quote, intensely relaxed about people getting filthy rich. The final section of this paper, therefore, sketches out the shifting contours of this uh, political and public discourse and how the narratives of class and the Whitehall studies related to it. Uh, inevitably, the spectre of Margaret Thatcher's premiership hangs over this period. Historian David Canadine has argued that, like Disraeli and Churchill before her, she saw society as a ladder with differentials at every level, and she was deeply opposed to any government intervention intended to undermine it, or lay it flat, or break it, or remove it. Furthermore, for Canadine, Thatcher was also, quote, determined to drive the language of class and the idea of class conflict off the agenda of public discussion, and this was something she very successfully accomplished. Of course, such, uh, such determination was not without opposition, and the health inequalities research in the 1980s can be placed among this resistance. For example, George Davy, George Davy Smith, an epidemiologist who would later joined the second Whitehall study, archly admitted in 2016 that his qualitative research in the valleys of South Wales very soon after the miners' strikes was motivated, was motivated by a desire for, quote, people to say that heart disease was caused by Margaret Thatcher and capitalism, ultimately. But in terms of the left, of which the Whitehall researchers might well be included, ideas about class were also being reconfigured, arguably independently of Thatcherism. Uh, Sutcliffe Braithwaite uh, notes how the influential contributors to Marxism today were at the New Times, providing, quote, a compelling vision of a decline of class. She quotes the sociologist John Urry, writing that at that moment in 1988, social life, culture, and politics are no longer organized in terms of social class because current, because current inequalities of income Wealth and power do not produce homogeneous social classes which share common experiences, because a much wider variety of other social groups are able to organise. Indeed, shifting ideas about class were not just being expressed by the political and chattering classes. Mike Savage has used the Mass Observation Directive from 1990 to argue that for the participants, class was, quote, presented as a matter of agency rather than something handed down, something which anchors an individual's biography in a larger frame, expressed in anecdotes about, quote, not knowing how to use a napkin, being a housewife, or rising to a middle-class job. The Whitehall researchers were also concerned with agency, acknowledging that civil servants might move up and down the hierarchy. Mama had lamented privately that, quote, when examining the relationship of grade to mortality in the original Whitehall study, we had no information on job histories. Whitehall II, started in 1986, attempted to address this by maintaining regular contact with the civil servants and asking questions about their employment history to provide a more rounded picture of the way hierarchical mobility worked. The political mood music of Major's aspiration towards, quote, a classless society in which people could rise to whatever level from wherever they've started expressed in this 1992 Conservative election poster suggested if 
that if class had not completely declined in the previous decade, it had at least become, in many people's minds, about equality of opportunity, not equality of outcome. Class was more social than socioeconomic, about formation rather than group or rank, to return to Williams's typology. An extension of this framing of class inequality is provided by Lindsay Hanley in Respectable, a memoir of personal social mobility from working to middle class in the early 1990s, which argues powerfully that class in Britain was and remains as much experiential as materialist. Indeed, the Whitehall researchers advanced a similar critique. The first major paper from the second Whitehall study, published in 1991, reported similar results to Whitehall 1, with those at the bottom faring worse than those at the top. Quote, in the 20 years separating the, student, the two studies, there has been no diminution in social class difference in morbidity. Marmot and his colleagues argued that this could at least partially be explained by different working experiences across grades. Stress was a function of rank and hierarchy, but not in the way that had previously been popularly assumed. Those in lower grades who sat through days of, quote, monotonous work characterised by low control and low satisfaction suffered worse outcomes than those in higher grades, and furthermore, quote, were likely to have reported two or more of eight potentially stressful life events in the previous year. According to the Whitehall researchers, health inequalities were a matter of control. They argued that people in the lower grades of the civil service and by extension lower social classes had their needs for control and participation less well met than those in the upper classes. For Marmot, quote, the psychological experience of inequality has profound effects on body systems. So if sociologists could confidently opine on the death of class in 1996, by the end of the new labour years, it was clear that class was back on the agenda, both in terms of evidence of persistent income inequality and the emergence of ugly epithets such as chaff. Having contributed to the HSM inquiry into health inequalities uh, in 1998, Marmot was starting to take the findings of the Whitehall studies to a wider audience than the readership of the BMJ or the Lancet. Published in 2004, status syndrome was an attempt to influence the public sphere and advocate to politicians and policymakers the scientific imperative of a fairer, more equal society. To make these arguments, Marmot corralled an impressive array of evidence from animal studies to neuroscience, but the Whitehall study was ever present. In the introduction, Marmot set out his argument. I began my research on civil servants in 1976 with the Whitehall studies. Britain was and is a stratified society, and no part of it is more exquisitely stratified than the British civil service. When I published our finding, the first reaction was civil servants, who cares? But what was true in Whitehall was true in Britain as a whole. The barely concealed reaction from other countries was, ah, British, what else can you expect from class reader in Britain? Marmot, however, pointed out that inequalities in health have been found across Western nations, even those that thought that they were relatively egalitarian, such as Sweden. As he noted elsewhere, quote, Whitehall, far from representing an atypical post-imperial backwater, was typical of the developed world. Indeed, in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis, an inequality industry has emerged globally from a best-selling, from a best-selling doorstop by a French economist, Thomas Piketty, 
to uh, American poet Frederick Seidel's latest collection entitled Widening Income Inequality. In Respectable, Hanley approvingly quotes Richard Hogarth's contention that, quote, each decade we shiftily declare that we have buried class. Each decade the coffin stays empty. While Marmot protested that health inequalities remain a minority interest, in recent years, books from Richard Wilkinson and Kate Pickett, alongside social geographer Danny Dorling, have helped to highlight the issue to British politicians and policymakers. Ahead of the 2010 election, the then Conservative leader of the opposition, David Cameron, promised to, quote, banish health inequalities to the history books, arguing they were one of the most, quote, unjust, unfair, and totally shocking things about life in Britain today. So in 30 years, health inequalities have moved from an issue that Patrick Jenkins, the Conservative Health Minister when the Black Report was published, treated at best with, quote, considerable caution, to one that Cameron believed could be used to help convince the electorate to vote for his party. So to conclude, I've discussed in this paper prevailing uh, political and social attitudes about class and inequality in Britain and the extent to which the Whitehall studies and the health inequalities field more generally have reflected and been in conversation with these broader trends. Discussions of class in late 20th century Britain vacillated between cultural and materialist interpretations throughout the Thatcherite and New Labour years. But the Whitehall studies of heart disease amongst civil servants suggested, uh, if you will, a third way um, of thinking about societal inequality. The Whitehall researchers insisted on the importance of hierarchy to the distribution of disease. Class is literally embodied as serious as a heart attack. Uh, 